Section 18 of Henry the Fourth, King of France and Navarre by John Stevens Cabot Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7 The Death of Charles the Ninth and the Accession of Henry the Third. Part 2. There were now three Henrys who had been companions in childhood who were at the head of the three rival houses of Valois, of Bourbon, and of Guise. One of these was King of France, one was King of Navarre, but Henry of Guise was in wealth and the attachment of the Catholic population of France superior to either. The war which ensued is sometimes called the War of the Three Henrys. As soon as his mother learned that he was approaching France, she set out from Paris with a magnificent retinue to meet her pet child, taking with her the Duke of Alençon and Henry of Navarre. Dissipation had impaired the mental as well as the physical energies of the king, and a maudlin good nature had absorbed all his faculties. He greeted his brother and his brother-in-law with much kindness, and upon receiving their oaths of obedience, withdrew much of the restraint to which they previously had been subjected henry was now known as henry the third of france soon after his coronation he married louisa of lorraine a daughter of one of the sons of the duke of guise she was a pure-minded and lovely woman and her mild and gentle virtues contrasted strongly with the vulgarity coarseness and vice of her degraded husband the duke of alencon was however by no means appeased by the kindness with which he had been received by his brother the king he called him the robber of his crown and formed a conspiracy for attacking the carriage of his brother and putting him to death the plot was revealed to the king he called his brother to his presence reproached him with his perfidy and ingratitude but generously forgave him but the heart of Alençon was impervious to any appeals of generosity or of honour. Upon the death of Henry III, the Duke of Alençon, his only surviving brother, would ascend the throne. The Duke of Guise hated with implacable rancour the Duke of Alençon, and even proffered his aid to place Henry of Navarre upon the throne in the event of the death of the king, that he might thus exclude his detested rival. Francis, the Duke of Alençon, was impatient to reach the crown, and again formed a plot to poison his brother. The king was suddenly taken very ill. He declared that his brother had poisoned him. As each succeeding day his illness grew more severe and the probabilities became stronger of its fatal termination, Francis assumed an air of haughtiness and of authority, as if confident that the crown was already his own. The open exaltation which he manifested in view of the apparently dying condition of his brother Henry confirmed all in the suspicion that he had caused poison to be administered. Henry III, believing his death inevitable, called Henry of Navarre to his bedside, and heaping the bitterest invectives upon his brother Francis, urged Henry of Navarre to procure his assassination and thus secure for himself the vacant throne. Henry of Navarre was the next heir to the throne after the Duke of Alençon, and the dying king most earnestly urged Henry to put the duke to death, showing him the ease with which it could be done, and assuring him that he would be abundantly supported by all the leading nobles of the kingdom. 
while this scene was taking place at the sick-bed of the monarch francis passed through the chamber of his brother without deigning to notice either him or the king of navarre strongly as henry of navarre was desirous of securing for himself the throne of france he was utterly incapable of meditating even upon such a crime and he refused to give it a second thought to the surprise of all the king recovered and francis made no efforts to conceal his disappointment there were thousands of armed insurgents ready at any moment to rally around the banner of the duke of alencon for they would thus be brought into positions of emolument and power the king who was ready himself to act the assassin treated his assassin brother with the most profound contempt no description can convey an adequate idea of the state of france at this time universal anarchy prevailed civil war exasperated by the utmost rancour was raging in nearly all the provinces assassinations were continually occurring female virtue was almost unknown and the most shameful licentiousness filled the capital the treasury was so utterly exhausted that in a journey made by the king and his retinue in midwinter the pages were obliged to sell their cloaks to obtain a bare subsistence the king steeped in pollution a fanatic and a hypocrite exhibited himself to his subjects bareheaded barefooted and half-naked scourging himself with a whip reciting his prayers and preparing the way by the most ostentatious penances to plunge anew into every degrading sensual indulgence he was thoroughly despised by his subjects and many were anxious to exchange him for the reckless and impetuous but equally depraved francis the situation of the duke of alencon was now not only very uncomfortable but exceedingly perilous the king did everything in his power to expose him to humiliations and was evidently watching for an opportunity to put him to death either by the dagger or by a cup of poison the duke aided by his profligate sister marguerite wife of henry of navarre formed a plan of escape one dark night he wrapped himself in a large cloak and issued forth alone from the louvre passing through obscure streets he arrived at the suburbs of the city where a carriage with trusty attendants was in waiting driving as rapidly as possible he gained the open country and then mounting a very fleet charger which by previous appointment was provided for him he spurred his horse at the utmost speed for many leagues till he met an escort of three hundred men with whom he took refuge in a fortified town his escape was not known in the palace until nine o'clock the next morning henry was exceedingly agitated when he received the tidings for he knew that his energetic and reckless brother would join the protestant party carrying with him powerful influence and thus add immeasurably to the distractions which now crowded upon the king for once imminent peril roused henry the third to vigorous action he forgot his spaniels his parrots his monkeys and even his painted concubines and roused himself to circumvent the plans of his hated rival letter after letter was sent to all the provinces informing the governors of the flight of the prince and commanding the most vigorous efforts to secure his arrest francis issued a proclamation declaring the reasons for his escape and calling upon the protestants and all who loved the public good to rally around him hence the short but merciless war which ensued was called the war of the public good 
the duke of alencon was now at the head of a powerful party for he had thrown himself into the arms of the protestants and many of his catholic partisans followed him henry the third called to his aid the fearless and energetic duke of guise and gave him the command of his armies in the first terrible conflict which ensued guise was defeated and received a hideous gash upon his face which left a scar of which he was very proud as a signet of valour catherine was now in deep trouble her two sons were in open arms against each other heading powerful forces and sweeping france with the whirlwinds of destruction henry of navarre was still detained a prisoner in the french court though surrounded by all the luxuries and indulgences of the capital the dignity of his character and his great popularity alarmed catherine lest in the turmoil of the times he should thrust both her sons from the throne and grasp the crown himself henry and his friends all became fully convinced that catherine entertained designs upon his life marguerite was fully satisfied that it was so and bad as she was as henry interfered not in the slightest degree with any of her practices she felt a certain kind of regard for him the guards who had been assigned to henry professedly as a mark of honour and to add to the splendour of his establishment were in reality his jailers who watched him with an eagle eye they were all zealous papists and most of them in the massacre of st bartholomew had dipped their hands deep in protestant blood catherine watched him with unceasing vigilance and crowded every temptation upon him which could enervate and ruin her depravity did but stimulate her woman's shrewdness and tact henry of navarre sighed for liberty he was however so closely guarded that escape seemed impossible at last the following plan was formed for flight a hunting party was got up henry was to invite persons to attend the chase in whose fidelity he could repose confidence while one only was to be entrusted with the secret others of his friends were secretly to resort to an appointed rendezvous with fresh horses and all well armed and in sufficient numbers to overpower the guard placed about his person henry was to press on in the chase with the utmost eagerness until the horses of the guard were completely exhausted when his friends with the fresh steeds were to appear rescue him from the guards and accompany him in his flight the guards being drawn far from the palace could not speedily obtain fresh horses neither could they pursue him with their jaded animals the duke of guise was now in great favour with henry the third henry of navarre during the few days in which he was making preparation for his flight blinded the eagle eyes of the duke by affecting great confidence that he would obtain from the king the high office of lieutenant-general of france the duke and henry the third made themselves very merry over this supposed simplicity of henry of navarre little aware that he was making himself equally merry at their expense two days before the execution of the scheme a rumour spread through the court that henry had escaped for a short time great anxiety and confusion ensued henry being informed of the report and of the agitation which filled the palace hastened to the apartments where catherine and the king were in deliberation and laughingly told them that he had arrested the king of navarre and that he now surrendered him for safe keeping in the morning of the day fixed for his flight the king of navarre held a long and familiar conversation with the duke of guise and urged him to accompany him to the hunt 
just as the moment arrived for the execution of the plot it was betrayed to the king by the treachery of a confederate notwithstanding this betrayal however matters were so thoroughly arranged that henry after several hair-breadth escapes from arrest accomplished his flight his apprehension was so great that for sixty miles he rode as rapidly as possible without speaking a word or stopping for one moment except to mount a fresh horse he rode over a hundred miles on horseback that day and took refuge in alencon a fortified town held by the protestants as soon as his escape was known thousands of his friends flocked around him the duke of alencon was not a little troubled at the escape of the king of navarre for he was well aware that the authority he had acquired among the protestants would be lost by the presence of one so much his superior in every respect and so much more entitled to the confidence of the protestants thus the two princes remained separate but ready in case of emergence to unite their forces which now amounted to fifty thousand men henry of navarre soon established his headquarters on the banks of the loire where every day fresh parties of protestants were joining his standard End of section twenty four